Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hi, I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women, where we go deep with some amazing women to learn from each other's stories. If you're new here, welcome. This is not just a podcast. It's a community of women who are learning, striving, growing, and leaping for greatness. What are you leaping for? That's what I want to know. What are you hoping for? What are you dreaming of? My intention is that these women inspire you to action, to do the things you've always wanted to do, to go for it. So let's do that. Remember to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify to keep up with the, to date with the new episodes and all these great conversations with warrior women. Okay, before we meet our guest today, let's talk about our sponsor. You guys know I love my sponsors because these are businesses and brands that I actually use and love. So Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino, not only are they my first sponsor, so I love them even more, but I actually go to Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino. You know, this restaurant is a big part of my life. I literally know the menu by heart. For example, if you want a good breakfast, you can get the chicken chili killies. That's amazing. For lunch, I like the grilled chicken shawarma bowl. Claudine's has this kind of neighborhood feeling. It's got beautiful, seasonal, quality ingredients. It tastes so much better than a regular like lunch or breakfast joint. It's so elevated. Claudine's is located in Encino at 16350 Ventura, and it's open from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., which means you can brunch all day, or you can take dinner home for later. You can follow them on Instagram and drool over their food at at Claudine Kitchen. Okay, so as we were discussing in the last episode, girlfriends, my trainer, Rachel Corsetti, and yes, I'm going to say her name because I want to name her and shame her. She made me give up dairy, dairy. It really makes the phrase, who moved my cheese, like a reality for me. Anyway, she's gave me, she had put me off the dairy and I've been off it a while because she told me it would help me lose weight. And of course I will do anything to do that within reason, of course. Didn't give up the wine, let me just tell you. But I have to sadly report, it's working. I swear my boobs, my arms, everything feels smaller. I I can't believe it because I, I thought that this would never do anything. But tell me listeners, out there, if you've given up dairy, I want to know. Like, DM me, Instagram me, email me, let me know. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm imagining that I'm getting smaller, but I think I am. I feel like dairy might be the devil. But before anyone brings the calcium police to my door, I'm taking a vitamin with calcium, so there. But I'm turning 50, so I need the good bones. So I know that. So don't get on me about that. But tell me if you've given up dairy. All right, time to give on with the show. Today, we have an amazing guest. Tanya Newbold. Tanya has been leaping for greatness since her early 20s when she was in the pageant world and crowned Miss Newport Beach, Miss Hollywood, and third runner-up to Miss United States. She worked as an actress in films such as Family Man and Red Dragon, but it was an interview with, for the documentary Die Trying that changed the trajectory of Tanya's life. Feeling a connection with the director, Jamie Lynn Lipman, Tanya shared her struggles with postpartum depression and asked Jamie Lynn to co-produce and direct a documentary on the subject. Now an outspoken advocate for PPD, Tanya crosses the country educating people 
on the realities of postpartum depression and showing her documentary, When the Bow Breaks. Tanya, welcome to the show. Hello, Liz. And first of all, just so you know, I am not giving up my cheese, okay? I mean, why did you making me do this, Sonia? It's not okay. You and I have been at many a party where we have had eyes rolling back in the head over a piece of cheese. I mean, we oh, yeah. love cheese. You and me love cheese more than mice. No, we are parked at the cheese plate. We are parked there. And in fact, we pay good money to get a really expensive cheese plate. That's the level we're on because we like anything with a truffle. We would oh, eat yeah. a shoe with a truffle on it. So this is unfair. <laughs> I give you so much credit. <laughs> oh my God. Or oh, I'm insane. One of the two. All right, Tanya, I know your story, but I'm very excited to share your story with our listeners today. Oh, two reasons. One, because I know it's going to help somebody out there that is either suffering or has suffered with postpartum depression. But number two, the way you have created this platform around this is really mind-blowing to me. So Let's talk about, Tanya, let's talk about first your experience with postpartum because, you know, some people, I think they think it's like the baby blues. I really want to differentiate for people. How did you know you had it or even what to call it? Well, there's many different categories in it. And first of all, Liz, thank you so much for having me on today. It can start, actually, it's called antenatal depression. And I actually do believe I had that. At four and a half months pregnant, I got pregnant naturally at the age of 42, which is very unusual. And I was so excited and grateful. I always wanted a baby. It's happening. I'm having a healthy pregnancy. My husband's excited. So at four and a half months, I'm on my kitchen floor sobbing on my hands and knees, snot coming out of my nose. I can hardly breathe. And I went, "Uh oh, this can't be right. And I actually started going to therapy because I was like, what is going on here? There's a whole backstory with me about being adopted, being given up for adoption. It possibly could have tied in for that. And I'm, that's a whole other set of a podcast. We'll have you on again about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> but the point being, um, I had Ava and I scheduled a C-section because of my age and everything went fine. She came out healthy. And then I went into the recovery room and my body could not recover. I have a very tough time with anesthesia anyway. And I did not realize epidural, and it makes sense, is completely an anesthesia and a very, very strong one where it allows you to be present, yeah. but it shuts off your body. So I could not recover. I was violently shaking and throwing up. They had heat blankets on me, heat blowers on me. They're giving me ice chips and everything. And the nurse, Jackie, who had been doing this for 35 years, said, I have never not been able to get someone back to baseline. I was well, in there for six scary. Years. That is scary. When a nurse tells you that, that they've never had that experience before, then you know you're in big trouble. Absolutely. And you know, at one point they bring in Ava, they're like, try breastfeeding. I'm holding my incision, holding her and throwing up into a bucket. I mean- yeah. It was so brutal. And I'm thinking, oh my God. So at approximately 2.30, I finally went up to my room. And at 5.30, I remember a nurse saying, I know what you need. And she took Ava and uncovered her, opened up my robe and laid her on my chest. And it was like this. And it was so wonderful. So I proceeded in the hospital for a couple of days, went home. And about three weeks into it, it, I just completely became disconnected. It was really 
frightening. And I didn't even realize that it's that thing that you don't know, you don't know. And while it's happening, you're not realizing like, this is not normal. You're not doing well. And you kind of assume I'm a first time mother. And I was the oldest of all my friends at the time. No one else had a baby. I'm assuming this must be part of it. Well, normally it's not. Now there is a baby blues and I want to digress to that because that's very normal for about 95% of mothers who have a baby. Your hormones are off balance. You have this new life, this new baby, everything shifts and you kind of go, whoa, wait a second here. What's going on? But the reality is that should only last maybe up to two weeks. And then you kind of get your schedule and you get it going and this and that. Mine was going the opposite direction. I also had postpartum anxiety, which at the time I didn't realize as nighttime would come, my husband worked a corporate job. He had to sleep so he could work. As it got dark, I would be like, here we go. I've got, I've been up most of the day. Now I'm going to be up all night. And I made a huge mistake. Mommies don't do this. When your baby sleeps, take a nap, take time for yourself. When my baby slept, I cleaned bottles. I cleaned the house. I tried to stay up with my husband until 11 o'clock at night because that was our routine. And then I have a baby who doesn't sleep well and ended up with colic. And we had five months of the colicky baby, shifts of rocking, not sleeping, her screaming. And recipe for disaster. Yes. It's tough. And I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm not eating properly. My hormones are off. And I'll never forget saying day 86 of no sleep. That's a long time. Oh my God. Yes. And my baby wasn't thriving. She wasn't gaining weight. She did not nap well. And it was really hard. And I'll never forget a good friend of mine sat me down and knew me well and said, something is wrong with you. I'm like, yeah, what do you want? I had a baby. I'm tired. She said, no, tears rolling down her face something is wrong with you. Now, this is a good friend like you are to me. This is someone who, when they say something like that and they're crying, they're not trying to hurt you. They're worried. They're scared. And I started going, then you go to paranoia. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? What's wrong with you? Why am I, you know, and it was all of that. Another friend gave me a book called Down Came the Rain, written- Oh, Brooke Shields. Yes, I know that book. Yes. So at the time, Ava was- four and a half months old. And I read this book and I went, Oh my God, I have postpartum depression, which when I look back actually started while she was in vitro inside my body. I did not realize it. And then I did. And from there I had both the pediatrician and also the gynecologist and the therapist wanting to put me on antidepressants. Now I'm going to tell you, if you go through this, I do not like medication. I did not do that. Go on medication. And I'm going to tell you why Yeah, I did. I was very fortunate. I found a natural solution, which I will tell you, but at the same token, I was suffering, which means my baby was suffering, which means my husband was suffering. I could have ended my own suffering very quickly. And when you go on this medication, mamas, it doesn't mean you're going to be on it for life. When all of this is happening, you think, oh my God, this is my life for the rest of my life. It is not. It is temporary. As the Bible says, this too shall pass. And I took, it's called 5-HTP, capital letters, and rosehip oil as a supplement. And the nutritionist told me it'll take two weeks and it'll act like a natural Prozac. And by God, 14 days later, 
I remember being in my kitchen, getting my vitamins, looking out the window and I went, oh my God, I think I'm okay. Yeah. And Ava was five and a half months old at that time, but my postpartum depression kicked in at three weeks. That's but did you have those visions? Like I know that Brooke, I think in the book, she says she was had these visions of like driving her car into a wall. Like she oh, yeah, was, was having, did you have visions like that? I, my visions, which were horrific, was throwing my beautiful daughter off the top balcony. Mm. And I kept seeing it over and over and over again. Now, praise God, I never touched her. I never hurt her. I tried never even to show her those types of feelings and emotions. I tried to just love her. But separately, that's what I was going through. And then there's it's so much shame around that. So much guilt. I'm affecting my baby. How could I be having these thoughts? What's wrong with me? I'm crazy. I'm nuts. I'm depressed. If I tell anyone this, they're going to lock me up. And I actually had an incident where I did share it. And because of the concern, they shared it. And then I had three people talking about it. And my one friend called my therapist and thank God I was, I was in therapy weekly taking Ava with me as a newborn. They actually called her and they said, we are afraid for her baby. Now I walk in there and she has to share that with me. And she said, thank God you've been coming here. So I know that's not accurate. I know what you're dealing with, but had you, someone made that call to me, I would have had to call child protective services. That sent me into a whole other tailspin. Now I feel betrayed and you're talking about me. Right. As if you don't feel isolated enough. Now you feel like all your friends are against you. Right. Exactly. And they actually were only trying to help. No, of course. And they didn't know. And and they they didn't didn't know. know. Right. And they were scared. And I understand all of that. So I spent three days in my house so afraid someone was going to knock on that door and take my baby. It was awful. So friends, if you're out there and you're seeing one of your friends going through this, what I recommend you do is go be with them, go knock on their door, bring them food, bring them coffee. I had one friend who started coming every morning for half an hour with a cup of coffee. She'd come over with her styrofoam cup of coffee for me and hang out for half an hour and then go about her day. And I'm going to get emotional saying this. Thank you, Jennifer Blanc Bean. It was one of my saving graces that someone was gracious and loving and did that for me. And it changed everything. So as friends, as a husband, I'm going to recommend that you go sit with them, go talk to them. They may not be the person you know. It doesn't matter. They'll get back to that, but just be there. I love that, Tanya. I, you know, when I went through, talking about the, the shame and the stigma, when I went through IVF, I was really ashamed that I had to have help having a baby. Like, I just thought it would be my right that as a woman, I get to have a baby. Like, I thought I was horrified. And I really didn't like want to tell people about it or talk about it. And then I realized a lot of people I would talk to, good friends would be like, oh yeah, I did fertility treatments. And I was like, oh my God, why is no one saying anything about this? Do you find the same thing? And when did you realize that telling your story would really help others and that you should share the story? Well, once I realized I had postpartum depression and anxiety, I began to research it. Here was the problem. We're talking 2008. I couldn't find anything. The pediatrician's office would say, go take a walk, take your baby and go out in the sun. I couldn't leave my house. I could not leave. I remember one time I went down the hill, Ava started crying. I ran back up the hill, pushing the stroller as fast as I could to get back in my house. It was so tough for me. So all of those things being said, 
I got interviewed by Jamie Lynn Littman. I'm an actress for this documentary, Die Trying, about actors and where are you now and all of that good stuff. And I liked her a lot. She was very smart. She knew what she wanted and she had a four-month-old baby. And because I couldn't find much information on postpartum depression, I said to her, I have an idea for a documentary that needs to be done about postpartum depression and I want you to direct it. And she said, well, I don't know. My, I didn't have it. Like I, I'm fine. I'm good, but okay, let me do a little research and I'll get back to you. And I'm thinking, well, all right. 24 hours later, she calls me. She goes, oh my God, I posted on a mommy blog. If anyone has or has had postpartum depression and wants to give a testimony, contact me. I had, she had over 100 responses within 24 hours. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And is that how you found people for the documentary? Absolutely. That's where, well, that's where we began. And then one of our testimonies was this wonderful woman, Lindsay Gerst, who then came on to be a producer and executive producer, as well as kind of the, the through line of the documentary. My testimony is in there and many great testimonies but it really shed the light and we interviewed her husband and that's so touching. I also want to express men want to fix and when they can't fix and they can't fix their wives, they too can go into a postpartum depression and not know what to do. So it can be, it can affect a family. It can affect other children. It can affect everything. So this documentary was really created to shine the light on this and make a difference. I have someone who's having a baby on Friday. And I said to her spouse, I don't think she should watch it right now, but I think you should. Because right now is a good time for you to be aware of what the Mm -hmm. signs and symptoms are so you can be there for her. And I will say there is a trigger warning with our documentary. If you're feeling very fragile, I don't know that you personally should watch it, but have a friend watch it, have a spouse watch it to help you. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. And then tell me like, I mean, yes, it makes a hundred percent sense. I think, I mean, it's interesting. You got to think of your husband as like your teammate, like, you know, they should watch it. So they know kind of what to look for. Um, how did like, when you wanted to, you, you knew this was something that happened in your life. You knew that it was something that have, had affected you and you felt this, you were compelled to make this documentary, but you even took it further than that. You, yes. you, you know, you wanted to make the documentary and I want to talk about that experience a little bit, but you took it further. You wanted to start speaking about it. You wanted to be out there. Why did you decide to do that? Well, I'll tell you this. It's actually a proven fact that the more you talk about something, it disappears. We all have parts of ourselves in our life, whether it be postpartum depression, drug addiction, sex addiction, whatever it is, abuse from childhood that we have so much shame around it. There's so much stigma that you think, if I expose this, everyone's going to abandon me. And that's where it begins. But here's the reality. The second you talk about it, someone goes, oh my God, me too. Oh my God. And you realize for the first time, I am not alone. I am actually bringing light to a darkness that can help someone else realize they are not alone. And the more I began doing it, the less emotional I became about my own experience, the more it has helped other women. And from there, I just became an advocate and a speaker. And girl, you give me a microphone. I'm a happy girl anyway. So the opportunity to get out there and actually talk and make a difference 
and bring in my own faith and spiritual aspect. But one of the most important things I want all of you to know, there is help for you. This will pass. This is not going to define who you are as a human being. It is a moment in time in your life that is not fun and very stressful, and it feels permanent. I'm letting you know it's not. You will be okay. I promise. It's one page in a very long book. I I will say that. And it's hard to get that perspective. And again, if you need medication, take it because medication works. And we don't want people to think out there, let me just you know, keep, let me keep trying. You don't need to keep trying to feel better. You know, if if, if a doctor assesses you and they say you need medication, you take the medication because you need to lift yourself out of it. And that is the way to lift yourself out. Well, and also too, Liz, you had quite an experience going through the birth of your son. Yes. No, when my son was born, he had a ton of medical issues and, you know, the doctor did write me a prescription for depression medication and it immediately helped. And I have to say, I didn't care. I I was I was so down on the ground that whatever he, I was willing to do anything. Um, but I also felt like when I did take it, it was such an easy fix, and I only used it for probably a couple months, and then I felt better, and then I was okay. But you know, I it you don't know how bad you are until yeah. you hear yourself telling your story to someone else, and their face is like, oh my god. I mean, you know, you don't sometimes know because you're just in your own stuff. So it was good to go to, you know, a doctor and have him prescribe medication because he knew that what I was going through was over and above uh, the normal and how I was reacting was over and above the normal. But let's get back to the documentary a little bit because I want to just kind of talk about that experience because here you are, you you know, you've you've been through this. You go to Jamie Lynn, you say, "Let's I really want to do this." She realizes this is really an issue and she wants to shine the light on it. What was your experience like shooting and, and finding and producing and watching these women talk about their experience? Did you feel kind of like a connection with them? And did you feel kind of like a mom to them, like a, like a mother in a weird way to them because you'd been through it, you know, before? At that point, no. And I'll tell you why. I still was very much dealing with my shame around my own. And my testimony is in there and it's emotional. And... um I unfortunately at the time had a full-time job and could not be at every single interview or every single part. And I really give Jamie Lynn and Lindsay the credit of what they created out of it as well. But I did get to experience a couple of very powerful testimonies as well as doctors, as well as finding out the cultural aspects, not socioeconomic, not age, which is kind of what I thought. It is more there's several things that are factors in postpartum depression. Let's talk about those. There is lack of nutrition. There is hormonal changes. There is lack of sleep. There is, especially if you're a social person, the feeling of being isolated with your new baby. But I will tell you, lack of community is actually one of the biggest factors in postpartum depression. So in the Asian, a lot of the Asian uh, culture, what they do, it's called sitting moon. When a woman has a baby, they're not even supposed to get out of bed for 30 days, not even do anything. Baby oh, I is love that. Let me I know. <laughs> I can't imagine what that would be. People are bringing food. They're holding the baby. They're bathing the baby. They bring them back and forth. You sleep, you rest. And 30 days later, you start your life. Um, also too, in the Latin culture, 
And also the Asian culture, if something's wrong, you don't talk about it. Stiff upper lip, you deal with it. So there's still so much stigma. And even in the American culture that you don't want to share that because it's, you know, you're going to shame yourself. I'll never forget when I put my testimony about the balcony in my documentary, my husband's automatic response was, you can't do that. You have to remove that. And I said, no, it's the opposite. I have to put that in there to help others. Yeah. Because people need to know that those thoughts are scary as hell. But also that's your indication that you need help and that you are not in your right mind. And hopefully you can. I mean, there's plenty of people as you, you know, saw in your documentary, I've watched this documentary. It is so important because it, you know, as a person, I didn't go through specifically postpartum depression. I learned so much. I, I think, you know, there's a misconception and I want to talk about that too, but there's misconceptions about PPD where you know, you look at a woman that could do something like that, right? That could drown her baby, that could throw him out. There. And you think, what the hell is not, you know, there's a judgment that you have, like, what the hell is wrong with that woman? And I remember having judgments like that until I saw that documentary. And I thought, no, what woman would do that? No woman would do that. That's exactly the point. How yes. can you be in your right mind if you're giving birth to these beautiful babies and you want to kill them? Like, that's not obviously normal behavior. That needs to be investigated and vet it out to rule out postpartum first, because that is obviously, I think, more times than not the case. Well, and one thing I want to say on a very positive note about the documentary, that as we did this and time went by, part of our thing was to get to legislation was screenings at pediatricians' offices. And because it's very normal, say, how's your baby? Very rarely does someone look the mom in the eye and say, how are you? Mm. And it's funny because since my journey with it, I automatically do that with any mom that has a new baby. I'm like, how are you doing? How are you sleeping? And I've had so many moms say, wow, no one ever asked me that. But it's so funny, right? We're distracted. We're distracted by the babies. And even though we've had babies, we, we are distracted by the babies. You're right. The first question you need to ask is, how are you, honey? Are you yeah. holding up okay? Can I bring you coffee tomorrow? Can I bring you dinner tomorrow night? You know, is there a night I can come over and just take the baby and hang out and you go take a shower? Like, let me know, you know, how can I come in and come alongside you? Well, and even further than that, Liz, is you will have the moms that say, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Then you switch the dialogue to, great, I am coming over. And I will be. almost have to do that because there is so much pride and shame going on at the same time that they think, "I I don't want her to see me. I don't want anyone to know. I need to hide. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. I can't stress that enough. Yes. And what do you think, what do you think the biggest misconception is about PPD in general? What do you, what do you think it is? That something is wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Let's talk about this PPD and everything that it entails is could be more classified as a mental illness. And I don't mean that in the sense that you're crazy and you're going to a mental hospital. It is an illness of the brain in that moment in time. If someone's a diabetic, you give them medication. Yeah. If someone's an alcoholic, you don't say you're a bad person because you're an alcoholic. No, you are allergic to alcohol and you should not have it. Yeah. So we are whole human beings that have experiences in our life that have to be treated with kindness and love, not judgment. How was your documentary received when you first put it up? Were people 
as shocked as I was, like, I think people kind of think they know what they're about PPD. And then you see that documentary and you're like, okay, I don't know anything. Correct. And we were very fortunate. My goal was always to have Brooke Shields narrate it. And not only did she narrate it, she executive produced it. And she was so wonderful because it really was because of her book that I realized what was going on with me. We are now in 70 countries, six languages. We are available on iTunes, Amazon VOD, or you can go to our website, when the bow breaks film, just like the nursery rhyme.com. And you can order a DVD there. And I highly recommend that you do that for anyone, you know, who's going to have a baby has had a baby that you can share that information because knowledge is power. We fear what we don't know. Once you know what the possibilities are, what to look for, you can be proactive, you can be on point, you can help someone way quicker. I agree. And let me just also say that um, I've been at a screening, I've been at, you know, talks that you have given on the subject. And I think, you know, people need to know that they can, they can get, they can order the video and they can also hire you to come and they can play the video and you can talk about it. I mean, I think it's really powerful when you have a person from the movie who's had the experience. I think this is great for women's, women's groups uh, of all sizes. And I've seen you do this. I think it's really important that you, you're going across the country and you do this because it really takes it to the next level. You know, you have this documentary with it's, that's incredibly moving, but then you have a real live person with a real story that's there. And I'm sure you get so many people who come up to you at the end of your talks that are like, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what you hear. Well, and this is what I've realized. This really has become my calling. So I've taken it from the lowest moment of my life to the greatest gift I could have received you know, P.S., my daughter is great and amazing. I could not love that child more. And that part is whole. What it's enabled me to do is to make a difference and help others. Coming from the background of being an actor was me, 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 hire me. I'm great. I'm great. So much ego, so much insecurity. This has nothing to do with me other than I experienced it. But the opportunity I now have to help other women. And when I have someone say, oh my God, thank you. Wow. That is God using me to make a difference and get the word out there and help. And Jamie Lynn comes as well, uh, the director, and she's phenomenal. And I've sat on panels with PhD doctors. I'm so honored to be a part of that and getting so many questions. Well, I know you actually experienced it. So what is this and what is that? So my goal really is to just get out there, educate the world, help people make a difference and touch lives. And also save lives. I had a woman private message me with her fifth child that she was going to kill herself. That was one of the scariest moments. And I assembled with Jamie Lynn and Lindsay. I said, what do we do? Referred her to Postpartum Support International, which is postpartum.net. They have a warm line, which means they'll get back to you within 24 hours. They have a texting line, both in Spanish and English. Liz, I know you're going to list all of this. Yes, I'll have it all in the show notes, all the links and everything. Yes, for sure. And it's very important to have. There is help available to you everywhere. Go to the hospital if you're feeling like this. Don't act on what you think is what you're supposed to do. It's not. It is what is happening in your body and your mind at that moment. Protect yourself. Tell your spouse, I am not doing well. I need to go to the hospital. Get your blood work run. It could be a simple hormonal change or a vitamin that could switch that line of thinking. 
And if you feel like it's ongoing, don't be afraid to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist who can prescribe medication to you, a nutritionist, like do whatever it takes. And praise God, this woman today is doing amazing a year and a half later. That's with so wonderful. Yes. That's so wonderful. Well, I, I, I want you to do a book next. I think that's the next logical step for you. So I, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on this book that I know is going to come. So one day we'll be promoting that too. Um, Absolutely. And I'm already in the works with that. So uh-huh, see, already in the works. Going to manifest and make it happen. Um, yes. Okay. Let's do our speed round questions because we can't, okay. you know, they're my favorite. Okay. What is your favorite quote or mantra? Instead of asking yourself, why me? Ask yourself, what am I supposed to learn right now? I love that. I love that. And you did that. Um, Yes. Yes. What is your idea of the perfect lunch? The perfect lunch is, you would know, Liz, because we've been at many, many togethers. Honestly, (laughs) being with my girlfriends, we have such an amazing group of women. We're so blessed. And getting all together and laughing and cracking up and talking about our kids. Again, we are we are a community. And when we talk about our children, and even to this day, in every stage of having a child, your child does something, you're like, oh my God. And then you share it and the mom goes, oh my God, me too. And you're like, wait, what? Okay, so it's not just mine. You learn about each other and about your children and laughing. And I love some good food. You know that. Yeah. And we just have the best time together. So that to me, and we're lucky we're in Southern California. It's sunny. It's beautiful. We have many eclectic, great restaurants to go to. Yeah. And you know what? We need to rename that instead of calling it a girl's lunch, because that makes it sound so like and shallow. We need to start calling it a community lunch because that's what we do. We're building community. We're talking about what's going on with us. We're, we're, we're basically acting as a lifeline to each other. You know, maybe you need a laugh. Maybe you need some, some understanding. Maybe you need to reveal something, but you know, every time I'm at one of these lunches, all of the above happens. So these girlfriend lunches are very, these community lunches are very important. You're right. Uh, what makes you feel unstoppable? Honestly, there are many times I do feel like I can't take another step. I mean, that is life and it's overwhelming. I will tell you this do even if it's one thing in that day to move forward in your life, I don't care if it's even looking at your bank account to make sure you're in balance. The one thing they go, oh, I don't want to look at that. Look at it. Because the second you look at it, you know you have to handle it or not handle it. Do one thing per day or call someone that you love and supports you to say, I'm not feeling like I can move forward. They're going to say, you can. And, and then do one thing. If that's all, some days you'll do 10 things, yeah. but some days you'll feel like you can't do any. So you just take that one step. You take that one yes. step. Who do you most admire, Tanya? I would have to say in the last year, particularly it's Tony Robbins. I was very fortunate to go to his seminar, his UPW seminar in LA. And I more went because he's such a powerful speaker. And I knew I want to be a powerful speaker. And I wanted to watch him. What I was not expecting is that he transformed my life. And he made me realize my own boundaries that I put on myself, where I stop myself, where there's so much fear. And the fear comes from if I do this and it doesn't work, I'm so disappointed. Well, you're not going to know if you don't do it. So you better try. And it shifted my life. And here's a man who came from a very rough background, but knew he could be great and did not give up on himself. And look what he's created. And that gives each of us the power to realize we can all be a Tony Robbins in our own light. We all 
have the ability to change the world for the better. So get out there and do it in your own way. I love that. I love that. What's exciting you the most right now? I think, honestly, the speaking, doing a podcast with you, knowing that even if there's only one person who hears that, that goes, oh my gosh, thank you. I am making the difference I was sent here to make. It makes me so excited. Outside of that, I'm going to say my family, my friends, my faith, my, I have two furball Pomeranians that make me laugh all the time. The simple things, the money, all that. Yeah, it's great, but that doesn't bring you the true happiness. That's so true. Well, thank you, Tanya. Thank you for sharing your amazing story. Thank you for coming on today. I know you did help someone. I'm absolutely sure. Well, thank absolutely. you, Liz. I'm very honored to be here. So thank you so much for having me be on. Absolutely. You can find Tanya's documentary, When the Bow Breaks. Where again, Tanya? Where can you we can find, find it? it? Amazon, VOD, iTunes, or on our website, whenthebowbreaksfilm.com. And if you want her to host a screening of the film or have Tanya come and speak, you have the, we'll have the information in the show notes. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today. I feel like every warrior woman has a story and I'm so glad to bring them to you. You can always find out more about me and this show by going to thewarriormoms.co and clicking the podcast link. Thanks for joining us. Next week, we're going to deep dive with another warrior woman. We have so much to learn from each other. For more conversations with Warrior Women, hit subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a great review. It helps more listeners like you find our show and moves us up in the rankings. And we would really appreciate it. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast. I'm Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. 